welcome to the Go With Him podcast. My name is Yasmin and I'm super happy to be bringing you this first episode of 2021. Before I dive into a little short intro of today's guest, I just want to share with you all that we have some really exciting things coming up at Sanya. The first thing is that we're about to launch our new flotation center. So we have a sensory deprivation tank, more commonly known as a floating tank. And um, I'm excited to bring you this because personally, I experienced this a few years ago when I was in New York. And it was, wow, it was just such an amazing experience. A very, very deep relaxation and meditative experience where I actually had quite an intense spiritual experience as well. Um, and ever since then, I've, it's been something that I really wanted to bring to Sanya. And I was very blessed to meet a good friend, well, who has become a good friend now, Steve, um, who's helped me realize this dream. And just next week, it's going to be opening at Sanya. So that's something to look out for. It's extremely good for um, the nervous system, for anyone suffering from stress, anxiety, burnout, just general fatigue of living as a human. <laughs> uh, that will help. Um, the floating tank would be an experience that, that brings a lot uh, to your life. The second thing is, if you're listening to this not too late, is I am going to be launching a new course on the 20th of February. It's called Holding Space. It's all about how to hold space for yourself, how to integrate your own emotions, how to connect deeper into the divine field so that you can have a presence that is peaceful, connected, and, and can help you serve other people in your life. And we're also going to be diving deep into how to hold space for others, whether that be just like as a, as a human being, holding space for your family, your children, people that you love. Even in relationship, we need to hold space for each other. But also if you are a practitioner, a yoga teacher, if you're holding workshops, events, classes, etc. Especially those which have a spiritual intention or intention for healing. This is what this course is going to be all about because it is a, it is a skill that um, we need to cultivate and practice. It's not easy to be in the hot seat with everybody looking at you and you're trying to bring an experience and, and not letting anything that comes out through the workshop throw you off your center because obviously if that happens then you are not going to be managing to hold the space um, as well so if you are interested in that you can check out some musings that I've been posting on my personal Instagram at yasmin underscore de Giorgio. and yeah there I share a lot more about the course and, and what we're going to be going into thank you for humoring my um rather long intro. Let's get into today's conversation. Today's conversation is with Claire Arjuice. I Claire has been someone that I just felt a love for and a resonance for without really knowing much about her. And I can say from sitting down with her for this hour, I just uh, got to know her even more and love her even more. She's such a beautiful soul. She has so much wisdom. She's had quite a deep journey as a yoga student and she's actually done her teacher training even though she doesn't teach. She really understands the spirit of what yoga is all about and she has some really interesting insights to share on her yoga journey, on the go within journey in general and also some beautiful nuggets to share about balancing spirituality with motherhood and career and all of the normal duties that come along with being a human. So 
I hope you'll enjoy this. Claire is um, has had a long career um, on television. She's been in drama and theatre her whole life. And yeah, she's just a beautiful character who I hope you'll enjoy hearing from in this hour that we shared together. As always, thank you for listening. I'm so grateful that people constantly message me telling me that they are getting some inspiration out of these episodes because otherwise I might stop doing them. (laughs) So thank you for your feedback. It's always really nice to know that you're not just speaking into a void. Um, The relationship with you, the listener, is something that means a lot to me. So please, um, if you do have... If you do have any inspiration of sort of particular episodes or quotes or comments from particular episodes that touched you, please do share them because it really, it really fuels me and really, really gives me a lot. So thank you. And here it is. Conversation with Claire. You ready? Yeah. Awesome. So thank you. Beautiful. I'm actually very excited to spend an hour getting to know you better because oh. even though I feel like I know you very well, maybe because we have a lot in common. I actually don't know that much about your life story and and everything you've gone through to get into this moment, right? Ask and fire away. (laughs) I think we all have our own stories and actually spending some time with people and having a good conversation one-to-one especially is really valuable. We still need to give it a lot of weight um, in, in today's society, I feel, because we've lost that a little bit and it's so nice to get to know people that you perhaps feel you can connect with and you connect with definitely i mean i'm sure you know this being a, a drama teacher and uh, being on tv so much the power of story it never fails to never. impress me never. and in fact that's why i started this podcast really was to tell the stories of people who have gone within mm-hmm. because obviously i had my own journey the last more than 10 years of so many different experiences which changed the way i lived my life yes. from a very external oriented to much more internal and I feel like these are stories that are very valuable to share a lot because especially when we see people on social media or on tv or whatnot we see the end product mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, the, of their journey but we don't know all the blood sweat and tears and and giggles and laughs yes, yes. that took them there in my case I wouldn't say I had any uh, big transformation which in fact is um, quite It's quite the case that can happen in so many individuals because it was a natural, slow growth process. I'm still growing. I feel like there's... So there wasn't anything specific that I can put my finger on that I say transformed me. So it was a series of events, a series of experiences. And I think in most of us, that can be applied Um, So people can do transformation instead of with just one single incident that happens in their life, but across years. You can only say that when you are at a certain (laughs) age. No, but I'm really really happy that you mentioned that because sometimes we, we think that transformation has to be some blockbuster thing. But actually, as you said, it's just sometimes the simple and slow things that actually... You know, create such such beauty within us mm-hmm. and I would love to start by asking you when did you start first taking an interest in the inner world because you know most of the time we grow up with outer career true. relationship and so on true I'm, I'm going to have to take you back to and perhaps connect as well with with 
really early on in terms of our education, what we are exposed to, even when it comes to extracurricular activities, so to speak, because I was very passionate about theatre and drama. Very early on in my life, I had the opportunity to do ex uh, workshops, you know, looking for the character you're going to interpret. I was, what, 14, 13 years old. And that was my first exposure to actually um, observe behaviors, attitudes, understand different people. And to do that, you need to look more than just the script that you're presented with. Ask certain questions and put certain puzzle pieces together. So that was my real first exposure to actually going within, perhaps not within myself, but within the character I was going to interpret. Later on in my theatre years, I was taught the technique of drawing from your experience to apply it to the character you're going to interpret, to be more authentic, to be more real, to be believed. And um, then that gives you the opportunity to start seeing what your own experiences are. Now, I said earlier that it's, you know, it comes with age, but I think everybody has experiences. If I had to look at young people today, and if we teach them tools and techniques, how to actually go within, when you're of a certain age and perhaps you would have experienced bullying or some sort of injustice you think in your classroom or you may have gone through parents separating or these are all experiences that I believe it, it would be useful that we learn to address from an early age so that they don't come and resurface themselves later on in my life when I then am an adult, have my own relationship and them expressing towards the other person what I would have experienced when I was young. So everybody has experiences. I think the secret is to really address them with tools and with techniques depending on the age we're in. I mean, this is something I talk about so much when it comes to stress. It's like that thing of we need to even learn how we feel. Yes. I mean, I grew up as a child. I I was used to numbing and suppressing myself. I didn't know at the time. It was a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't taught at a young age, how do you feel? How how can you express it? And, and how can you even understand it? Yes. Right? And yes. what a blessing that actually through drama in a way, you, you learn to do that, right? Exactly. And I'm sure that the intention of my drama tutors <laughs> was nowhere near the time for us to know ourselves on the spiritual level. It was, but drama really, really set me off on the right track to mm -hmm. then, when I was exposed even to different cultures when I was traveling, mm -hmm. I was able to understand or rather enjoy and marvel in, in somebody else dressing differently, thinking differently, behaving differently. And it's this, this growth happened through my travels and through my, again, opportunities where then I was open enough to do, to go, get into yoga, do certain retreats. So you have to be open. Mm -hmm. And I never closed doors. I remember very early on in my 
teens when one of my best friends actually told me he was gay. And this was the first time I ever heard or was exposed to anything like that. And I think now that I look back upon that experience, when he told me that, in my heart, I felt no resistance. I felt this was not a big deal. And it goes to show as well that when we're open to accept other people, you're freer. There's less limitations and there's more room for growth. I mean, they obviously go very much hand in hand, right? This sort of ability to feel safe, to express our feelings and then being safe to open to new experiences um, yes. obviously go hand in hand. And it's something that I really see nowadays that we've become quite disconnected from how we feel. And that has led us to become very isolated and very sort of protective from the outside, from other humans, yes. really. Yeah. Um, and that's something that is a bit sad. And in fact, um, when I was sort of in my late teens, um, early 20s, I got very sad <laughs> about mm-hmm. the state of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I just mm-hmm. saw all this conflict, all this war, all this environmental destruction. Um, and in fact, I started campaigning and I started an NGO and all that. Um, but then I got to the realization that people don't change through facts. They change through the experience. Yes. And that is then what led me to yoga and um, down that yes. path. So. Yes. Sometimes I say, even with my children, you know, it doesn't matter if they're not understanding what it's all about. But if, like when we were at school, you don't understand why you're learning history or you're mm. learning maths or you're learning whatever. But somehow it has an effect later on. And you may understand in 10 years time why you did that. And if we can actually do that, speak and make people feel, even though they may not be understanding why we're doing this, what's the purpose of praying? What's the purpose of rosary? We used to say the rosary when we were kids with my parents all the time. I didn't understand it, you know. But now if I sit and meditate and when I am told or, or, or kind of someone shares the knowledge of other religions, you are able to connect and to, to find similarities and that's the beauty if you're embedding good things in your life from an early age whatever they are they will give you the result later on so I think we should do it with children and in our lives even though we think we're not being understood or the Mm -hmm. message is not getting there Mm -hmm. we're still sowing a seed yes totally so, so how did you get into yoga? I mean, we spoke a little bit about this because we did a, a little video recently. But uh-huh. um, So, yes, it was beautiful how, um, again, sort of I say by chance, but nothing comes by chance, you know? It was meant to be for me because it was really the thing that through a drama group of friends that we were um, some 25 years ago in Malta here, we used to do stretching and warming up before our workshops, theatre workshops. And then it led one of us who was into these books and had come across some yoga books to do the warming up and we do the physical asanas of yoga. And we all really loved it, you know. So we used to do that and then come together with a meal afterwards and share this this yoga spirit. We weren't even calling it yoga. 
Um, then yoga teachers started surfacing up. And because I thought, I felt, not thought, because I felt that I really benefited from it being hyper and being very active and my work is really non-stop and I work long hours. It's always been like that and I love it. So I'm an active person. It was the one thing that really grounded me, gave me balance and gave me a whole all over refreshers, body and mind. So I, I searched and I started going to yoga in with teachers that were coming surfacing on the island. Later on, much later on actually, um, there was a, a teacher on the island here. She was quite good. She's not here anymore, but she was very, very deep. Um, Zoya Lu, her name was. And I used to go twice or three times to her classes a week. And we used to do meditation as well. And she also started giving me the exposure, the very first exposure I used to have to the pranayamas and to the um, mudras. So then, with that, I started interesting myself into reading and bought lots of books and she suggested and really got involved into studying and understanding the techniques. And then very, very short after, I think she must have left the island, I had already done about three years of those classes, I was going through a bit of a rough patch myself, personal life, and I left for three months and I went to an ashram somewhere in the Bahamas. <laughs> So how it came to me, how I looked for it, I think I must have Googled and so... So you just, no connection, know, you just no found con- No connection. I quite just, brave, I know. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a traveler at oh. heart, so I've been <laughs> traveling by myself since I was 16, 17. Yeah. So I've traveled alone before, you know, so it was no big deal for me to go mm-hmm. to a place by myself. But yeah, to an ashram, I indulged myself in the sense that I really arrived there no expectations whatever was going i would be doing so i entered into the routine of waking up early doing your morning asanas and then doing your seva which is throughout the whole day and then helping with the cooking cleaning whatever and then it was yoga again and then the satsang and then the meditation so i spent about i was gone from malta for three months but i spent almost a month at the ashram so that was my first taste of living with yogis mm-hmm. and it, it was good. Quite interesting that you chose to go to the Bahamas as well because it's not a place because that you I would associate with yoga. It's true, but what happened was this. I wanted to leave for three months. There was a friend wanted I wanted to see in Philadelphia. <laughs> so I was looking for somewhere in America. Uh-huh. Why not Europe? Because I was yes. going that way, yes. you know. And then I thought, hmm, interesting. Bahamas on an island, very similar to Malta. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to swim. I mean, and um, so, yes. And I liked the, the fact that I knew nobody, nobody knew me. And I was alone. I needed to be alone. I like being alone. I love my own company. I find that when I give myself time to know myself, it's... It's actually very rewarding for me. And I don't mind confronting 
demons, shadows, <laughs> golden, whatever they are. You are ready for it. Yes, you have that fighting spirit. Which, yes, it? To be fair, you need a bit on the go within journey, that uh, brave uh, spark yes, to, yes. to but, see certain things. Uh, whatever comes up, whenever someone uh, showed me or, or guided me to find myself, um, I never had a problem. In fact, I, I need to mention as well that before the... As important from yoga was also psychotherapy for me. I had done some psychotherapy sessions myself in my early 20s. Again, because you are going through a breakup, you think you have you know, some issues and you want to tackle them. And that was also a way for me how to um, not be afraid to confront myself and deal with whatever issue I had. If I want to become better, I have to deal with things. Better in the sense for myself, not better as an individual, yes, you know. Yes. It's pointless trying to sweep things under the carpet. So that was my motto. Always deal with things. Mm-hmm. Never let things build up. Bottle nothing. <laughs> deal with them and don't be afraid. Yeah. I, as we said, you know, it does take a bit of courage because when you go into that kind of environment, like you are in an ashram or you're doing psychotherapy, obviously... The shadows do come up. Yes. And yes. it's not always easy to see our own mistakes, our own, you know, dysfunctions no. and patterns. And how did you deal with that? I mean, obviously, you've given us a sense you have that a bit uh, you adventurous cry. spirit. You cry, you sulk, <laughs> you do your bit. You throw your toys out of you the throw, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then you get up, you brush yourself, you look outside and you say, you know, I mean, there are so many people who are going through so much bigger suffering come on i'm just a speck and this is something i can handle yeah you know so everyone sees their own little thing and when you're in it it's important you see yours as well yes i mean when you're in your own acknowledge yours it can feel very heavy and very important and it can sort of take over. Yes. Um, but I like also sort of the way you're talking about it gave me that um, idea also like not to take it too seriously as no, well. No, no, We no. take ourselves way too seriously Exactly. Sometimes. And, and, you know, we, we make, we see our problems big. That's why I always look, take off my own glasses, put somebody else's, look elsewhere and then come back to mine. You know, you have to put things into perspective. I have little practices that I've always done that make me feel small. And it's very important for me Mm -hmm. to feel that because Mm -hmm. when I feel that, I feel lighter. So, for example, I look at the sky sometimes at night, you know, and I observe the stars or I sit on the shore and look out to the immensity of the ocean. And when you really feel that immensity, you feel so small and then... You say, you know, why do I feel like the show, the world is on my shoulder? It's not. I'm irrelevant. <laughs> and when you bow down to that irrelevance, you get a lot, take, a lot taken off your shoulder. It's, it's actually really not humbling, you know. I would say freeing mm-hmm. to think of yourself very, very small mm-hmm. in comparison to... But again, you, it takes a, a certain strength of soul, right? Because that sort of reality of our irrelevance can be petrifying as well for many people. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have my sole purpose and duty in life is to look after my soul and make the best growth out of it while I'm in this life, in whatever way. 
And that's, I mean, my responsibility is as long as my arm. This is something that I went into art of living then later on. Um, well, later on, this is like in my 30s. And it was very, very eye-opening for me. I met Shishri Ravi Shankar. I interviewed him. He is the founder of uh, Art of Living. That is, he's a humanitarian. He's a spiritual leader. That is also, it has also really, really served me well. Again, I was going through a very difficult period of my life. Somebody sat on the chair in front of me because I was going to interview them. And it was one of the teachers of Art of Living. And after this half an hour interview I've had with her, I ended up going to the course, then to another course, then to a silence retreat, and then this. And then before I knew it, I was doing all these retreats and it had done me a whole lot of good into releasing what I had entangled myself in. And it's applying all this knowledge coming from all these different people that nowadays makes me think like this and makes yes. me behave like this. Obviously, it's a, it's a product of certain practices, right? In yes. fact, it's something that I often tell people who come to Sanya with a lot of stress. is like, we need to nourish our soul because when we don't include our soul in our life, the material just becomes so heavy and it becomes everything of who we are. But as I said, I think sometimes people feel that fear, right? Because if we make the material small, then what are we, who are we? We have to face some big questions that we need to sort of sit it, with. Isn't it freeing to to feel that? I mean, call it escapism if you want, but sometimes no, it's I think freeing it's, yes, to feel that... I'm, I'm not trying to shed off any responsibilities mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. my ourselves, but I'm just saying we can't take on what is not ours or what we don't have any control over. Yes. But obviously, you know, when, when you have to face something like I am irrelevant, for example, you know, for most people, that is quite scary. Um, and I think this is one of the beauties of yoga, that it, it sort of takes you into this realization that that is a freeing thing, right? But maybe on day one, you won't see it necessarily as freeing. You might see it yes. as it's scary. Really irrelevant in in the whole big picture of the universe, not to my soul and yes. to my duty. I am very relevant as a soul. That is my duty. I'm bound to that to make the best, you know? Yes. So, no, I'm not trying to belittle. In fact, it's very important that people make sure that they know that they want to live with a good purpose of mm-hmm. life and make you know, be humble towards their own soul. Mm. In the big picture, I'm saying, mm. of life, mm. to feel that sometimes it's very hard. We have a lot of issues to deal with. Mm. Family, external, mm. you know, the world, the, the, the death of the planet. Mm. It's There's a lot going on. Yes. And that can be intimidating and it can make us very, very heavy. So mm. in that sense, I'm saying, yes. I still have a duty, my soul duty, is to do the best I can for myself, for the people around me, and to my soul, you know. That's, uh, you can't shy Escape. away from <laughs> Yes. No. I love that you that you mentioned the psychology aspect, because that's another thing that I feel very strongly in, is that we need both meditation and psychology, or spirituality and psychology, because one without the other is almost incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, sometimes you can meet people who do a lot of meditation, but if they haven't necessarily dealt with the psychological patterns and the shadows, 
it's not necessarily a good outcome, right? Even with a lot of meditation. Uh-huh. Um, and same, you can do a lot of sort of psychotherapy, but without bringing in the soul into it, yes. then that, as you said, that sense of freedom and, and purpose never really comes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really beautiful to show people that it is, it's not something you have to do only if you have problems. Or even if you do have problems, that's fine. We all do, yes. right? <laughs> it's very, when I look at us as a body, as a mind, as a spiritual connection. And I look at what the man was able to invent in terms of men invented machines, you know. Women as well. As well. I'm as joking. <laughs> when I say men, I mean yes, you know, I'm just, humanity. I'm just being a bit cheeky. <laughs> yes. So we, we've been able to actually create stuff that does amazing things. Let's, let's take a machine. That's essentially what we are. When one part of a machine is not working well, the whole thing collapses. So if we look at ourselves from all aspects, our mind needs nourishing, our body needs nourishing, our soul needs nourishing, you know, our breath, our oxygen, both on a physiological level, on a psychological level, you know, and that's how we have to look at it. So you can't just separate us you can separate us if you want to treat us because one of them is is a problem or has a problem or you know treat it but you can't just say yes i'm excelling into spirituality but you know what something else is i'm, I'm not in touch with the world and my mind and so we have to look at ourselves like we're a machine and we have to look at every single aspect of our lives and nourish it as best we can. I think knowledge is very important here because, you know, like I said, 25 years ago, nobody spoke of yoga, but we had another form of spirituality. We had religion here in Malta. That was another way that connected us spiritually to the higher being. But now there's so much knowledge available and we're so exposed to things that we can bring. We, we almost... It's almost dangerous in a way, because what do you choose? Where do you go? And this is where your intuition comes in then. What resonates with you? That's how I feel. That I choose between one thing and something else. I apply my intuition and I say, what resonates with me? What feels right? What doesn't? And then I apply, I practice and reap the benefit. as you said I mean I feel exactly the same like we are so lucky nowadays because the options of different things to connect us spiritually um is is really I've been getting very into tea recently um uh, obviously I've been into yoga for many many years and that tradition is very deep in my heart um uh, but recently I've been getting very into tea um tea as a meditation um and that comes from the Chinese culture right it's a very specific kind of tea that's grown sort of with that sacred intention it's picked and processed all with this sacred intention and then also when you drink it it brings this very deep spiritual connection and i was just thinking you know if i lived if this was 50 years ago there's no way i would have access i can just go online order tea from china within a week it's here exactly (laughs) getting access then you know i was getting a bit inspired by the tao te ching which is a very beautiful um, book from the chinese tradition as well 
you can go on YouTube, you can go on Kindle, true, you can true. just get this knowledge, you know, right to your fingertips. Which I think is it was beautiful. beautiful. I've lived it in a time where I traveled with The Lonely Planet, which is a book, nothing is animated. <laughs> you go there, you take a set, you know, I, I had no access to it. had a beauty it. though. Yeah, it did, it did, but I had no... We look back with nostalgia I, now. <laughs> for example, you just speaking of China. I mean, when I went to China, I had no idea what... what to expect in terms of smells, tastes, you know, buildings, because we didn't see it on TV or on the internet. You know, I only saw pictures from my book. So... So what took you to China? Oh, again, me jumping into every opportunity that opens new experiences (laughs) for me. So I was... My sister, um, we were doing... TV programs, right? And her partner at the time was uh, heading a European youth group and he was asked to go to a conference to China. Now, because we were doing a youth f- a program for you, so we thought, oh, China, that's nice. So the idea was she goes with him, I go with her to film her and then we bring the material back home and we show it on TV. So that's how it all started. So we made contact with the Chinese embassy here in Malta and then they sponsored us a little bit and then we went to China. Then my parents came to China with us because my father, that's where I get the traveling bug from. He's like, wow, I've been meaning to go to China. Why are you going to China? Okay, let's become within a matter of two months. If less, I think, six weeks. Everybody was taking jabs because we're going to China and... So we ended up all going to China and having an amazing experience. So I was filming with my little Sony camera and then came back home with all this material, edited it with with our books, doing the introduction, translating them to Maltese on the plane. And then when we arrived there in Tiananmen Square, she's doing her introduction. It was brilliant. It's it's very, I think, being spontaneous and... um, uh, how should I say, forward in life. I think that has also brought me a lot of these experiences because I know I was never one to step back. I was always jumping into things. Call it enthusiasm, call it whatever, but I've always had this in my life. So, so what was your favourite place that you've travelled to? Ooh. Have you been to India? Of India. course, I was I, there for three months. Can imagine <laughs> that you India. wouldn't miss that. <laughs> I was doing a performance in India um, for a month of those three months, I, I it was very very. Which ended. which part? I in in the south. I was south. in Tamil Nadu yeah. and Kerala. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful, and uh, I really enjoyed my time there. Again, I felt very connected to the people. So this was before I got so embedded into the yoga. Into the yoga. Wow, okay. So this was still in my theater time. So, mm-hmm. but. Again, the spirituality, the smells, the sensation. The smells. Mm. Yes. <laughs> when you can't mention India without mentioning exactly. the smells. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yes, I mean, I, I've been to India, but I would say a, a big top on my list, and I really want to go there again with my children, was Africa. Um, I was there for a long period again for eight weeks and I managed to go to Tanzania to Kenya to Zanzibar and I loved you know the wilderness the animals the the when I am away from society <laughs> I love it I've been to Alaska and it was the same reason 
again why I love it because I'm in the wilderness I'm away from electricity I'm away from it's just I, I like to feel I don't know what it is but I like to feel small mm-hmm. in in this vastness of beauty mm-hmm. that we don't have always have the opportunity to see yeah I think I mean, obviously spiritually it's extremely productive as we said you know that's not taking ourselves too seriously and feeling one with nature, I think is such a, a beautiful, a beautiful experience. And something we all need to seek out, really. And I must say, we don't need to... It's not a matter of traveling. I have the same sensation when I go swimming at Riviera. It's an inner experience, the ocean. which can also come, obviously, through movement. But yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned... Because, actually, I'm a, I'm a big traveler as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I've traveled solo as well around South America, but... Um, when obviously when I went to Bali, I got a bit stuck. Now going, <laughs> <laughs> my last twelve trips have all been Bali or India. Ten of them to Bali. Oh wow! Um, okay. uh, but what I what I realize and the reason why I keep going back there is because when I go there, it's also a big inner travel, mm-hmm. because I'm of going course. there for spiritual purpose to do my practice there. I'm gonna have new experiences and. That's what it really taught to me was that actually there is a traveling inside of ourselves. Um, which is so beautiful mm-hmm. and you know now it's COVID we can't travel much even more we need to understand I that am, actually honestly I am so grateful you just reminded me now I didn't mention a place that I lived in for eight months and that was Peru in South America and you just remind that was in my very early 20s and yoga wasn't there there but yet I'm so grateful that you mentioned it because um I am so grateful that I have had the opportunity to experience these different cultures. I don't know how long they're going to remain there before every, everything becomes yes. westernized. or yes. And they have given me so much. Funny enough, I was also in Peru for eight months in my early 20s. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and with Machu Picchu and, you know... Well, yes. Yes, I went to Machu Picchu for my birthday. Ah. That was my... Uh, when I finished university, I just said, I need to go to Peru. I was blinded, like just Peru. And in fact, my ex-boyfriend at the time, we were trying to see if we can travel together. And he was obsessed to go to Bali. And at that time, I was not enjoying I said, no, no, I... Peru. Me, Peru. And in fact, it was a factor in like, we couldn't make our futures align. Um, and in fact, then I was really laughing because after that, I ended up with this love affair with in Bali. Bali. Oh. <laughs> it's incredible how we connect to a place, eh? Yes. But... In my case, it's actually been curious. I mean, because when I went to Peru, I mean, I came back from Peru. My sister and my parents laugh at me because I came back from Peru literally looking like a Peruvian. (laughs) I had plaits in my hair all the way. So I embraced that so much. Then when I went to Africa, I came back. It was all in my apartment where I was living at the time. It was all these, you you know, like paintings I got and the wooden statues. And I take on the feeling of the country I'm in when I resonate with them, Mm. you know, and it stays with me for a while. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but I think our versatility as well into being in and out of other people's lives and cultures mm-hmm. also brings a lot to our 
a soul. Yeah, I mean, I love um, Joseph Campbell, you know, and the whole his work on the hero's journey and the archetypes. And it's something that I feel like when you're open to other people's cultures, it's in a way, it's like you're getting the blessing of that pattern, that archetype, that spirit. Yes. And why should we close ourselves to any human experience when it's only in a way, taking us closer to that immensity that we've, we can either be just ourselves and we're Maltese and we uh-huh. eat hops bizet and that's all yes. it is. Yes, yes. Or we no, can no. experience being African or being Peruvian or exactly. being Indian. Or... Respect is what I need to mention here. You know, I find that when you go and you respect, you that's what you receive back. And the same thing with my culture here. I love my culture. I love being Maltese, Mediterranean. But it's not something I need to protect in a way that is someone going to invade or change or shape. You know, let me respect you, make you taste what we have, and then you give me yours. You know, it's it's an exchange. Mm-hmm. It's You don't do it selfishly. You do it respectfully. Yeah. And it's... I think in a way, also, we've lost... This is how I see it. That we, we think that respecting our culture is respecting the outer manifestation but really what being Maltese is, is something much deeper than Bob's Buzet or whatever it course, might be, right? It's it's our spirit, it's our love, it's our history, it's our yes, traditions. Yes. And I mean, I had a very curious experience, to be honest, that um, after going to Bali um, and really connecting with their spirituality there, with their culture there, and having very deep spiritual experiences there, it was only then that I could really understand my own culture. And when I had that spiritual experience, I could understand my own religion in a much better way. Uh-huh. Um, and in fact, I feel very connected to um, our devotion here as yes. Maltese. I feel like we have a very strong devotion. Yes. And it's something so beautiful it and is. so unique. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you respect that, you are in that. Right, exactly. and it's something so beautiful. And in fact, you know, sometimes my mother tells me, "Oh, you're always in other religions." <laughs> but actually, you know, it's that the more deep I go in spirituality, the more I appreciate appreciate our devotion, our devotion it's, because it's, it's one and the same, it's really. True. It's true. Um, and and it's fact, been there from the temples time. I mean, yes. I interviewed a Norwegian guy who is studying our temples, the Imnaidra temples, and this is what he told me. He told me. You know, you have no idea how that devotion that came from there, you still have it now. Yes. Thousands of years You can see it even with Tapinu, for example. Um, And it's funny that there's this sort of theme of the devotion to the feminine aspect of God through the temples and the goddess of fertility, through, you know, um, uh, our reverence, you can say, for Madonna and... I was actually in Tapinu recently and I was just so overcome, you know. I was actually crying because I felt so blissful and so happy and so connected. And this is why, you know, for me to put the boundaries on religion is just so silly because why shouldn't you go and experience yoga and have a super deep spiritual experience and then the next day go to church and have the same? Exactly. 
Exactly. Why do we have to say like exactly. <laughs> this is for you, this is not for you, and no, it's no, it's no, very it's, silly actually. It is, it is, and this the, what you're saying is right. This is as well why I, as a person, I think Maltese coming with this culture, was able to go to the temples in China and equally to the mosques. I've been to Israel. I entered, you know, and feel this spirituality, feel this this devotion. It's embedded in me. It's something that. I like and I need to acknowledge and I have acknowledged. So same thing, you know, and the, the spiritual experiences that you're mentioning, it's true. We There was a time as well in my 20s where I moved away from my own religion because you've only because you've had enough of it and you want to explore other, you know, we, we, we used to go to church all the time. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with that, but you need to sometimes move away in order to appreciate certain things. So When something becomes routine, you lose that reverence and that speciality of, of that thing. Yes, um, yes. But coming back to Malta and, like you're saying, going back into these places like Tapino and having experienced the, the spiritual connections in other countries, then you bring that back with you and you're open. You're yes. even more open to yes. feeling that connection. And I think, you know, when you have that spiritual experience, there can be no boundary anymore. Religion cannot no, limit you anymore because no. that feeling, it's the same feeling, exact same feeling True. that I feel in Tapino, I feel in Bali, I felt in India, mm-hmm. I felt in my room at home, yes. right? <laughs> at the it's beach, it's, that feeling is the same. So I think that is, you know, something that we need to seek as human beings. And as I said in the beginning, it's like that experience is what will get rid of all of our judgments and boundaries. It's true. You just uh, reminded me of what we used to be taught in our museum and religion. You know, God is everywhere. It's true. You just said it now. Yes. He's everywhere. He's in the church. He's on the beach. He's in Bali. He's in in the mosquea. He's he's everywhere. Yes. So... That's it. Yes. So in Peru, you must have been uh, connected with Pachamama. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> you were taking me back here. Uh, you were taking me uh, back, you know, because... It was, it was amazing. I used to live in Arequipa okay. for the maximum okay. of the yes. time. And okay. There's a beautiful the... monastery there that I had visited in Arequipa. I can't, I can't remember. Oh. But what I remember is the misty. Mm-hmm. the volcano mm-hmm. an active mm-hmm. volcano mm-hmm. i i wrote endless poems on that volcano i used to write and write and i learned spanish while i was there mm-hmm. only from the people and the children i used to spend time with so again it's just i think in arequipa there was a maltese priest living yes. for some time in fact that's where we that's were uh, exactly. so you went through that not, not in one in one parish church there were more than one maltese uh-huh. But for some reason, areas. I know Arequipa was exactly. connected. Exactly, but Arequipa, uh, yes, uh, Arequipa. And um, then, I mean, I've had experiences where, for example, with one priest, we had gone up to the mountains, to the Andes, right mm-hmm, on top. Mm-hmm. We drove about 16 hours just to get to a village of 20 people so he could do mass and it was their feast and... It was like driving there at night was like being on the moon. Mm-hmm. That's how I thought. No, yes. nothing, no light, no, mm-hmm. nothing. The terrain is rough. It was... Mm-hmm. The connection to nature in general in Peru was something that had mm-hmm. touched me a lot. You know, that 
Pachamama, Father Sky, they really have that. And in fact, it's quite interesting to see how they've blended that with Christianity as well. It's to true. Come up with their own sort of very interesting. Uh, it's true. You know what it's reminding me as well of, though, because that was the first time in my life when I was in Peru that I made peace with the darkness. Because, you know, I mean, n- now. I, I live in a place now where there are no houses around me except mm-hmm. a couple, but I still get people who come to my house telling me, you're not afraid here of the dark or when it gets dark. That is when I made peace with the darkness. And I used to be so afraid of dark when I used to live in my mom's, in my parents' mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And she used to tell me to go and turn the electric blanket upstairs while we're in the kitchen, you know. And I used to turn all the lights on going up and run upstairs and run. And then have to look underneath the beds too. Mm-hmm. I was petrified mm-hmm. of darkness. Mm-hmm. And it's... And how did you make peace with it? Being there yes. and having no choice. Yes. Having yes. no choice. I mean, mm-hmm. the lights are out, it's dark, there's nothing but the moon and the stars. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yes. Well, For I mean, minds. obviously, it's quite a metaphor as well. You know, the more scared I think we are of the outer darkness. Ah. <laughs> We're going to go back to the shadow yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just, I felt, you know, I'm here now and I have no choice. Mm-hmm. That was it. No mm. choice. And then it's just, you're still, you're mm-hmm. there. I don't know how I made it, but I remember clearly that that was the turning point of me stopping being afraid of being in the dark. Mm-hmm. Peru, in, Peru for me was a very transformational time mm-hmm. as well. I think it was the, the real beginning turning point of my spiritual relationship. Yeah. It was the first time that I actually had a spiritual experience. Um, and that was really then a, a guide, oh, you know, nice. to, to go forward. Um, Very nice. In fact, after coming back to Malta after eight months, there was quite a culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse culture shock. <laughs> uh, because it's, uh, it's not easy also to go and have these experiences and then come back to your normal life. No, and no. I think there, never, there won't be a normal after that. There was never a normal for me because when I came back from all my travels, I never came back to stay in the sense of, right, I'm going to apply for that job and for the next 20 years I'm going to be there. It was never like that. For me it was always year by year. Mm-hmm. What am I doing this year? Right, this year I'm doing this project, then I am traveling to that place and then it's the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It was always year by year. That's how I've planned my life. Mm-hmm. Really. Even now with a family and even kids. Now, and... Even now, job-wise, mm-hmm. it's always been project by project. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, we decide we're going to pack shop or we're going to go and live in another country, mm-hmm. it will happen next year. Yes. Because next year <laughs> I don't have plans. I make commitments for just the year I'm in. Okay, nice. That's, that's how I've lived my oh. life since... Yeah. And can I ask you, how do you use the balance being a mom with also putting enough time into your own relationship with yourself because I know Mm -hmm. many moms obviously when you especially when you have young kids your sense of identity sort of gets a bit lost and it's 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 not the identity no I think it's a matter of time for me Mm -hmm. so my identity still remains the same in when I look inwards Mm -hmm. you know I still certain things change for example I was I was more risky before I had things when it came to adventures Mm -hmm. I'm still adventurous Mm -hmm. but I feel that I am 
something changed in me mm-hmm. that I won't just throw myself out of a plane like that and like I used to before, you know. I still do. I still went skydiving, but, you know, so that a bit changes. But as such, my inner didn't mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It's more a matter of the time. How are you going to plan your day? Mm-hmm. And if the priority today, like most of the time when you have children, it's mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. it's them. Mm-hmm. However, you must always, I always thought of myself, as selfish as that may sound, it has kept me sane Mm -hmm. and it has kept me strong for them. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't think selfishly, Mm -hmm. I would not be the mother that inspires them. I would not be the mother that provides food on their table. Or I would not be the mother that would spontaneously pick them up and take them to the beach. I would not. Mm -hmm. I know I would not. So Mm -hmm. I did not want to change that. So you just have to literally steal time. Mm -hmm. So for example, okay, they're going to be at school. So that is the time Mm -hmm. when I can steal one hour and go and do yoga. Mm -hmm. Or that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you've have to have a support system you know Mm -hmm. not everything is going to be on your shoulder you have to have a support system being a partner being parents being Mm -hmm. brothers sisters Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with asking for help Mm -hmm. if you don't have a support system and you need to find one whether it's the babysitter or the neighbor or whoever you know let's not be so rigid with ourselves and think that we have to take everything on our shoulder as well. Mm-hmm. So I ask for help and I try mm-hmm. to manage my week like that. Yeah. I, I wish I can do yoga, come to yoga here every day, but mm-hmm. I can't for the time being. They're mm-hmm. still at a young age. Mm-hmm. I am sure that in a few years' time when they'll be gone, I'll have so much time on my hand, I'll be here four hours a day, you know, to fill my time. <laughs> so when the time comes, it comes. At the, when, I, when I had time, I didn't have my children... I indulged myself in yoga and work and everything. Now it's a balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that you pointed on that thing of the selfish because I think this is a real misconception amongst mothers that taking time for yourself is selfish. Mm-hmm. In my not. opinion, it's needed, it's a necessity, and the worst thing you can do is it's not do it. Exactly. When you don't self-love and self-respect... Don't expect others to love you and mm. to respect you. And also, we're showing our children that that is the way it should be done. I, in fact, I do it with them in some time, you know. I'm, I tell them, you know, this is time. We're in the house. We're, we're all of us here, even during COVID and all that. We are having one hour time out. Everybody is going to not speak, not communicate, go and find a corner, find something to do, read, whatever. I'm doing yoga. <laughs> And it's just one hour of the day. During COVID, we were in each other's hair from morning till night. Why can't we just teach our children that we can actually be in the same space and yet be in our own world, in our own little Mm -hmm. bubble? Mm -hmm. And your kids, they follow? Yes, they follow. You know, they go to their rooms and they're free to read. And then when the hour is up, let's... Yes, I think that's so, so healthy because, as I said, a lot of mothers really don't take the time for themselves. They put everyone else first. They get burnt out. And then many of them have children who have anxiety themselves. Yes, we need to teach. This is something very practical that we can do with our children because also this is the time that later on they're they're going to need to know how to be on their own whether it is to address their emotions, whether it is to, 
you know, like chill out. And it starts from now. It's very simple. Right, everybody to their rooms. One hour, we're, we're, we're out. So this is valuable time. And if they are bored, it's okay. Mm-hmm. The, bo- the more bored you are during that hour and the more you don't know what to do, the more things will come to you. Eventually, just give it time. We're mm-hmm. refer- we think we need to occupy every minute of the day. We don't. Mm-hmm. Which again, I mean, what a valuable lesson. Because we do this as adults, right? We squeeze every moment, waiting at the bus stop, checking our mobile. We don't know how to be. Yes. We always have to do. True. <laughs> and that is such a dysfunction which... Now, you know, I'm talking like this, and I'm the one where if you open my diary, you will see 8 and 9, this, 9 till 10. This. But, but mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that schedule, mm-hmm. there is one hour for myself, mm-hmm. whether it is at night, mm-hmm. in the morning, mm-hmm. whenever. And mm-hmm. I consciously put mm-hmm. it there, mm-hmm. not if I have time, ah, flachal. Mm-hmm. The day is over. No, you consciously have to plan it. You put it in your diary yourself. Whether it is the yoga or whether it is tonight, like today it was a full day. So 8.30 in the evening is going to be the time. 8.30 till 9.30 it's downtime. Because the worst thing I can do is go to sleep and wouldn't have had that hour throughout the day. Yes, totally. I don't sleep. I, I also love the other thing that you said about asking help asking for help because <laughs> this is another thing that we kind of struggle with sort of in general right like that receptivity that being vulnerable to, sometimes um, it's ego i think i think 99.9 percent of the time i mean why do i want to look like i am superwoman i'm not i don't want to be it's too much pressure yes much better to be human than to be superhuman yes, <laughs> yes. There are days where I am and I acknowledge myself and tap myself on the back, but not all the time. Yes. That's what I mean about rigidity, you know? Allow flexibility to just be. Today I might be talking like this, tomorrow I might not, because something happens that determines the way I think about something. It's okay, nobody's going to turn around to me and tell me you're a liar. Mm -hmm. No, yesterday I had a different type of knowledge. Today Mm -hmm. I have... Something else. Yeah. I think also we can't always live up to our ideals, right? And that should be okay too. <laughs> like it's okay to strive for something, even though you know that you're not going to hit that every time. Yes. That's where the, yes. the humility comes Balance. in. <laughs> Balance. Balance. <laughs> this is what, I, again, what I love about yoga, because these kind of, this kind of knowledge comes from inside when you practice. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's easy to read quotes that say this kind of thing and another thing to actually feel it from inside. And you, and you probably don't even think about it, that it's happening on a physiological level, but when you are practicing your asanas and you're doing a balance, or it's happening on its own. All you just have to do is commit to the practice. Yes. Not think about, is it coming out? Is it not coming out? The yoga ego, <laughs> which we always mention. <laughs> Beautiful. Claire. Thank you so much. Like it's just been a really, really beautiful it's conversation. Flowed, really. Yes, yes. I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours yes, more. Um, yes. uh, I hope our listeners took a few, a few nuggets of wisdom. Uh, I'm that, sure they that, did. Uh, that can apply. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another thing, you know. I've read, and everybody has read so many things, probably, and come across so much knowledge. But sometimes you're not in the right moment to take it. Yes. And then it, there comes a time when you take mm-hmm. it. So today, it could be that somebody took something, somebody else is not the right time for them. 
but they committed to listening. Yes. <laughs> In fact, I, I usually end these these um, interviews by asking my guests sort of if there's someone listening to this and they're thinking, wow, yes, I, I would like to go within more. This is something I would like to do. What would be one tip or one practice or one book or one anything um, that you would point them to? I would point them. I think the easiest would be to look for a class, a group, to look for it first, right? Because when not everyone has the self-discipline to actually go and do it by himself and also you need guidance. And when you are around other people who are as well, like when you go to the gym, you know? I mean, the first time you go to the gym, if anyone has had the experience of going the first time to the gym, you feel intimidated. There are people who have already been going to the gym for such a long time and they're all shaved. And But being in the same atmosphere as those people makes you go back again. And this is the same. So you commit to going to a class. You go once, and that will lead you to your second class. Then that will lead you to your third, and that will lead you to making one friend. Or maybe having a coffee with someone after, and discussing something that happened. And it, it just Then you might end up on. in the Bahamas. And then you might end up... <laughs> it just rolls on. Yes. So just commit to looking for a class and join a class. That's really beautiful advice. Um, and it's in fact it's something that um, is spoken about a lot in yoga like find your environment and be in that environment because that environment will support you so much as you said alone exactly it's hard work you know with all the pressures of our modern life Um, and then that's what I would say as well like pick up your phones and slot it in Mm -hmm. from week to week Put it in first. Put it in. So, <laughs> so if next week, you know, that one of the classes I go is Tuesday night till 10, you know, that's your appointment done. You wouldn't cancel, you wouldn't keep on cancelling your work appointments, would you? And just as this, you know, unless something really drastic happens, that's your appointment, your commitment, it's there. Yes. In fact, usually we, we put work in and then we squeeze in. But as you're saying... Um, I had learned this lesson a couple of years ago, quite quite late, but yeah, <laughs> better late than never. Put it in first, put it in first and then <laughs> manage the work around. around. Exactly, because otherwise yeah. you'll end up never doing anything for yourself. Sure, and I think as well patience. Patience is important, you know. We're living in an Insta world now. And no, it's not going to, unfortunately, it's not going to come immediately. Yeah, especially with meditation. You know, you need to practice and you need to be patient and you need to stick it out. Enjoy the journey along yes. the way. <laughs> it's rewarding. Yes, Claire, thank you so much. Thank you are such you. a wise soul. Um, and I love how you just have such a grounded approach to spirituality. You know, the balance that you have between your material life and your duty and your spiritual life is something very inspiring because I think a lot of people think that to be spiritual you have to be a monk or, you know, spend all of this time meditating. But actually the reality is with even just an hour a day, even just five minutes a day um, to nourish our soul is just such a a great way to live. When I don't have time to meditate because, you know, Mm -hmm. the life is chaos, I remember what my guru had said to me once. To be a good yogi, you need to learn to meditate in chaos. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So you have to learn to meditate in your chaotic day. Yes. Yes. What beautiful advice. 
So take take the meditative <laughs> mind to all of your crazy exactly, tasks, exactly. <laughs> which is always a challenge. So yeah. thank you, Claire. Thank, thank you, everyone, you. for listening. As we said, hope you got some little nuggets of wisdom and most of all the inspiration to follow your own go within journey because that's what this podcast is all about. And I definitely believe that the more people go within and change themselves from the inside, the better world we're going to live in. And it's a gift not just to ourselves, but to our family and to the whole of our society. So Yes, I agree. Blessings to everyone on their go within journey. Yes, and if you need any advice, you have a wonderful soul Claire, <laughs> to find on her Instagram. She's always sharing pranayamas and other useful stuff on her Instagram. So you can find her there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>